Amen. Hopefully we'll be those faithful men, right, and ladies. All right, let's turn to Psalms 125. Making a lot better progress now that we've gotten out of 119. Got some allergies going on in my head. Got drainage and it's making me cough. 125. We'll read the verses 1 through 5 together. The Bible says, "They, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts. As for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity, but peace shall be upon Israel. And Jesus prayed for his followers just before he was going to the cross, including everyone who would believe in him as a result of the message that they proclaimed. Uh, In the end, our Lord's prayer included us. Jesus begged especially for God to keep us as we are in the world, not to be a part of the world. And Jesus pleaded with the Father to protect us from the evil that permeated the world. Uh, John 17, verses 14 through 16 says, I have given them thy word, And the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray that not that thou shouldest betake them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. (coughs) He wanted us to be in the world as his witnesses, but he didn't want us to be a a part of it. Uh, We can't get away from evil, or even evildoers that surround us, as long as we are here in this world. They'll always be around. And we also can't resist temptation. Well, we can't uh, get away from temptation. Temptation will come. We can't resist it. Uh, The sinful urges of our human nature will always play a role in our lives as long as we are in this world. And in, uh, in his first epistle, the apostle John described all that is in the world in 1 John 2.16. He said, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the lust of the flesh, he talked about, the desire for pleasure, to do those things that God does not want us to do. The lust of the eyes is the desire for possessions, to have those things that God does not want us to have. And the pride of life uh, deals with the desire for position or prestige or power to be the kind of person that God does not want us to be. And there are countless figures in the world, uh, celebrities, athletes, politicians, etc., who live immoral lives uh, but are successful, uh, despite or perhaps even because of how they live. Uh, Many people are influenced by them and want to be like them. And even more so, there are many individuals who live for this world all throughout our workplaces, communities, schools, and neighborhoods, and we're surrounded by it. Many people who claim to be followers of Christ, even in their church, uh, even in the church, uh, lead secular lives away from the church. And the push to adopt evil practices is considerable. Uh, And the temptation to lead a life 
characteristic of this modern world around us is constantly present in the life of the Christian. But on the other hand, we must always be on the lookout for those who would do us, do us harm. Uh, uh, criminals, drug users, sexual and financial predators are just a few of the many who wait in every neighborhood for a chance to prey on the defenseless. And while in, during these temptations and being surrounded by evildoers, uh, the Jews sang these, this song here. According to many scholars, it was written during Nehemiah's leadership. Uh, outsiders who constantly threatened those who had returned to restore Jerusalem were among the evildoers that they had to deal with. Nehemiah chapter 6 talks about this. And uh, not all, uh, not, uh, plus, not all that relocated to Jerusalem from Babylon were godly. Uh, some greedy Hebrews deprived their fellow Jews of financial freedom. Nehemiah chapter 5 talks about that. The Lord is still today a, a powerful protector to us, even though the faithful Christian has to coexist in the world with unbelievers. It's nothing new as to what they faced back then. No different. And the Lord is still today a strong protector for us, even though uh, we have to live amongst uh, the evildoers. And we can experience God's peace even in this chaotic world. When we keep our mind, uh, keep in mind that God is our protector. And so when we find ourselves in this situation, first of all, letter uh, Roman number one, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And the people of God marched boldly to Zion because they had faith in the Almighty. The Hebrew word for trust, batak, uh, implies to be confident and unconcerned. It conveys the sense of security and safety that one experiences when they can depend on someone or something. And God's people discovered stability in him during very turbulent times. Look at verse number one. Uh, it says, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. We see, first of all, letter A, that you are eternally secure if you trust in the Lord. You're as secure as Mount Zion, immovable and enduring forever. And they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed but abideth forever. The excitement among the people increased as they would get closer and closer to Jerusalem. Uh, they were happy to be as safe as Mount Zion itself. And this holy hill could not be moved because God's mighty presence was there. It still has a special place in the Jewish people's hearts today. Uh, the expositor's Bible commentaries explain Mount Zion is more than a hill. It symbolized God's help. Psalms 121 verses 1 and 2 tells us, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. And Psalms 124 verse 8 says, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heaven and, uh, he heaven and earth. And so it was uh, a symbol of God's help, that mountain. And it symbolizes his presence and, and blessings and protecting, and protecting his people. Uh, Psalm 76, verses 6 through 9 says, At thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both a chariot and horse are cast into the deep, uh, into the deep sleep. Uh, thou, even thou, art to be feared, and who may stand in thy sight when once thou art angry? Thou dost cause judgment to be heard from heaven, and earth feared and, st and was still. When God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth, Selah. And uh, speaking of his protection over his people. Psalms 132 verses 13 says, For the Lord hath chosen Zion, who ha he hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. 
I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will clothe her priest with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. It was a special place. It stood for the privileges of covenantal relationship. When they came to Jerusalem, they came before the presence of God in the temple. And when this psalm was written and first performed, the Babylonian invasion and destruction of Jerusalem had already occurred. Uh, the city that stood atop Mount Zion had once been reduced to ruins, and it would experience further de devastation in the years to come. Uh, but the foundation, the sacred mountain itself, survived. And the same is true of God's people who are unmoved and will endure forever because they put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're eternally secure. Secondly, uh, you're eternally surrounded because the Lord's presence surrounds and protects you just as the mountains surrounded and protected Jerusalem. It says, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. And Jerusalem's surroundings are geographically designed to continuously send a message of safety and assurance. All of the mountains that surround the holy city are higher than Mount Zion. And these mountains had to be scaled in order for invaders to reach Jerusalem. And they also shielded Zion from view of any hostile forces that were around. Uh, A.F. Kirkpatrick in his book, The Book of Psalms, says... This girdle of mountains is an ever-present symbol to the dweller in Jerusalem of Jehovah's guardianship of his people. It was a constant reminder that God was their protector. The perimeter of these mountains, like uh, Mount Zion, bears witness to the safety of God's people. And we're surrounded and kept safe by the Lord's presence, uh, just as Zion is shielded by the mountains that encircle it. Does that mean that nothing bad will ever happen to us? No, of course not. Bad things happen to the Jews as well. Uh, but the people who genuinely believe in the Lord are the ones who will trust in him. And when our trust is in the Lord, even when bad things happen to us, we are safe. And our soul is safe and protected. And they have established a covenant with God by placing their trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. And nothing can move against that. Galatians 3.26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And God loves his children. He protects his children. And because of that, they are secure in him. They are guarded and kept by God's supreme power. John 10.28 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never per perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to believe, uh, be revealed in the last time. Uh, we who are kept by the power of God through faith, uh, we are kept by him. Amen? And God's presence enters us through his Holy Spirit. Uh, when we genuinely believe in Jesus Christ and repent of our sins, uh, the Holy Spirit enters into our life and does his work in our hearts. He resides in us. He lives in us, just as he did on Mount Zion. And he's the ruler within us. The rules our life if we yield to him. And evildoers might surround and assault us, but they can't take us down. Uh, even death cannot separate us from God's love. Amen? Romans 8.35 tells us, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or fame, uh, fam fame famine, uh, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? 
As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we have security, amen? We are eternally secure and eternally surrounded by God. And for the people of God, these are dangerous days. As we draw closer to Christ's coming, Persecution is growing at an alarming rate throughout the world. And Jesus instructed us to face persecution without fear, trusting wholly on him. That's, not a, that's a tall order, isn't it? But yet God says if we truly trust in him, we can stand against the enemy uh, without fear. He emphasized the fact that while bad people may be able to take our lives, they cannot take our souls. Amen. Matthew 10, 28 says, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. <clears throat> Only those who trust in the Lord, those who have committed themselves to him, the saved, are entitled to this feeling of security. And we have anchored our hearts to the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ, which cannot be moved. Matthew 7, 24 and 25 says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will like him unto the wise man that built his house upon a rock. The rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. When we're founded upon that rock, we won't be moved. In both this world and all, for all of eternity, true believers will be safe. And just like Paul, we can boldly proclaim like he did in 2 Timothy 4.18, The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And we can proclaim the truth of God with boldness. And 2 Timothy 1.12 says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I know, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which is committed unto him against that day. Paul was bold. Even at the end of his life, when he was close to death, uh, he was bold in his witness. And we need to do the same. So first of all, we need to trust in the Lord. Secondly, <coughs> keep doing right. Keep doing right, and we can be assured of the, Lord, uh, assured of the Lord's victory over evil. Uh, the evildoers who encircled the people of Israel had to, deal, had, uh, had to be dealt with. But by keeping in mind that it, would not always, uh, it, would, it was not always, what did I say here? Oh, uh, the, uh, by keeping in mind that this situation would not last forever, it brought them home. There we go. I had to reword that in my head because I don't know what I just did there. But um, anyways, uh, there would come a time when good would prevail over evil. And there was a time when they had to be under oppression, and be under persecution. Uh, but it would not last forever. Eventually, good always will prevail, uh, even if it's in the end of days. And the wicked would no longer be allowed to live in Jerusalem, uh, nor would they be allowed to tempt the righteous any longer. Uh, we see in verse number three, he says, the Lord hath done great things for, uh, I'm reading the wrong chapter. Let's try this again. My brain is half working tonight. Uh, it says, for the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, 
lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. Uh, the wicked's time is coming is the first thing I see in this verse. Letter A there. The wicked's time is coming. It says, For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous. Well, the rod or, or scepter here, the, talk, the psalmist was proclaiming that the Lord would not permit the wicked to reign over the land forever. The scepter stands for authority and control. And the rod here. And Israel had occasionally been ruled by evil kings from within their own country and uh, all throughout their existence. Foreign powers continued to pose a danger to them. And the region had been ruled by pagan nations like Babylon and Persia, both during the captivity and even after the captivity. In addition, there were evil Hebrews roaming the land itself, greedy people who disobeyed God's commands and exploited the people uh, and as just one example of what they faced within their own nation. And this was true during Nehemiah's day, as we see in Nehemiah chapter 5, but the day would come, the psalmist prophesied, when the wickedness would no longer prevail in the land. And so not only the wicked's time would come, but soon uh, be, soon temptation will be gone. He says, lest the righteous put forth their hands to iniquity. He says, they're not going to last forever. Uh, uh, we're going to take care of this, lest they would uh, uh, give in to temptation. And though the temptation is still present right now, uh, he will eventually end all temptation. Amen? Boy, I can't wait for that day. Uh, the righteous are tempted to stray from God's truth here uh, on earth while we're, we're surrounded by the evil that dominates this world. And the unrighteous pressure the, uh, the righteous into bending the rules of God's law. They attempt to sway the faithful to follow society's downward march to destruction. And additionally, the pervasiveness of sin can strongly tempt God's people to renounce holiness and adopt an immoral, unlawful, and even violent way, of, way that the world adopts. But all temptation will be removed when the Lord ultimately overcomes evil. And the pressures and temptations of a wicked society won't be present for the saved to struggle with anymore. And this verse's promise will come true when Jesus Christ takes, uh, takes us up to heaven. And we'll have a new body, and that temptation will forever be gone. But when Christ returns to earth, he will vanquish all of his enemies and establish his authority over humanity right from David's throne. And we'll be there to support him. And all that, uh, at that point, Christ's righteous rule will endure forever in his kingdom, which will be located in the new heaven and the new earth. Well, uh, we should also understand as well that the, this idea of the scepter or the rod here in this verse of the wicked also alludes to a power that's far superior than any human leader or evildoer that's on earth. Behind every wicked authority uh, is Satan. And he, Jesus refers to him the prince of this world. John 14, 30, he says, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. John 16, 11, he's talking about the Holy Spirit bringing judgment, our, our conviction. And he says, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. And he is the true enemy of God and the righteous. And wicked people are just pawns in his vile, murderous hands. Ephesians 6, 12 warns us, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
Today, we live within a world system that's dominated by Satan and all of his evil forces, both human and demonic. And as a result, we have to constantly battle their influence and resist the temptation that they hurl at us. But when Jesus conquers the earth and sets up his kingdom, Satan will be bound for a thousand years. Amen? I've always tried to picture that. I don't know if I want to see it really, but, uh, but you know, just the excitement of that day coming. Amen? Revelation 20, verse 2 through 3, it says, And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. But then, uh, after being released for a short time, he'll be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. Revelation 20.10 tells us the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And all evildoers will then be judged and cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 20 verse 11 continues, and he says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their work. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found in the written in the book, uh, book of life was cast in the lake of fire. This heaven and earth has been corrupted by sin, but it will pass away. It will be re resurrected, made new. Uh, the Lord will create a, a new heaven and earth for us. And from that point forward, evil will exist no more. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8 says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And they, he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write for these right." For these words are true and faithful. And, he's, <clears throat> and he said, and he, yeah, there we go. Uh, and he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Until then, we will continue to be surrounded by evildoers and we'll continue to face temptation. Yet we can still be victorious through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us there is no temptation taking you 
which is such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And God's spirit within us is more powerful than Satan. He tells us in 1 John 4, 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God has armed us with his word, and he's clothed us with his armor. And if we resist the devil, the promise of God is that the devil will flee from us. James 4, 7 tells us, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We just need to be faithful, amen? And thirdly, we see tonight, we need to pray for God's justice. Pray for God's justice. Psalms 125 ends with a prayer for God to execute justice in Israel. It says in verse 4, Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts. As for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth <coughs> with the workers of iniquity, but peace shall be upon Israel. <coughs> the psalmist prayed, to the Lord for peace throughout the country, asking him to reward the righteous for their good deeds and drive out the non-believers from Israel. We see, first of all, letter A here, do good unto those who are saved, or do those who do good who are righteous. Verse 4 says, do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts. Just as he said he would do. Uh, this is exactly what he, he said. If you obey me, you'll receive blessings. Uh, and if we do what's right and obey him, then we will see the blessings and see the good come from the Lord. And the psalmist prayed first for the righteous in the land. And these are the people who trusted in the Lord. And they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, verse 1 said, and which cannot be removed but abideth forever. And their upright hearts stir them to do good. And this shows that their faith is genuine. And in return, the psalmist asked God to do good to them by protecting them and delivering them from the evildoers. Then he says in verse 5, he wants them to banish those who reject him. In the first part of verse 5, it says, As for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity. And the psalmist proceeded to call on God to judge those who turn away from his truth and compromise with evildoers. And on contrast to the upright in heart, their faith, these faith are not genuine. Uh, they have rejected the truth. And the psalmist prayed, psalmist prayed that when God removed the wicked from the land, he would lead them forth. Uh, yalak, as well, banish them or take them away, the word means. And then the last part of this verse, he says, he prays to give peace to his people. Let her see. And you see in verse last, last part of verse 5, but peace shall be upon Israel. The psalmist ended by asking for Israel's peace, shalom. And he prayed that God would give righteous rest, healing, and joy in the land. We need to put our faith in the Lord and up to uphold justice and righteousness rather than worrying about all the evil that's going on around us. Amen. We focus so much on the evil and hating evil uh, that we, we're supposed to hate evil, but uh, if we focus so much on it, we will end up becoming like them. We'll slip away from the Lord. Our eyes need to be on Christ, not the world around us. Keep your eyes on Christ. Eschew evil, that means to, to cast it away from you, to hate it so much that you cast it away from you. 
Uh, but we need to keep our eyes in Christ while we do it. The Bible repeatedly states that God will recompense the righteous. But the, also, the Bible also re- repeatedly says that he will judge the evildoers. And we can find peace during trying times if we just firmly trust that God will carry out what he has promised. He will take care of it in the end. We need to stand strong against all wickedness and be strong in the Lord in the face of evil and evildoers for sure. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Then he says, Wherefore, take upon you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Take a stand. Once you've put on the armor, stand. And then we should pray and give thanks to God for his, pre- his presence and his faithfulness. And when we do, the Lord promises his peace. A peace beyond our understanding. We'll be able to sweep over our hearts and minds. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, with prayer, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. He's talking about being anxious and, uh, and all these things. But bring it to the Lord. And then verse number 7, he says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We need to be faithful to tell everyone we can who will hear our voice about God, the good news of the gospel. Those who were once antagonistic can become reconciled with God and with us. But this will, uh, will only be done as they yield to the power of the gospel. But we have to be faithful to tell, amen? There are times whenever the, when the time of justice comes, he'll take care of it. And those who have rejected him will take care of it. But until then, we need to keep telling them, amen? Telling them the truth. If they reject, that's between them and God. But well, we need, just need to do our part and tell, amen? Well, we'll turn off.